A Nation Changed with me, Kurt Fernley, is sponsored by HireUp, a registered NDIS service provider. HireUp is all about choice and control. They're Australia's leading online platform where people with disability can find, hire and manage their own support workers. To find out more, head to hireup.com.au. That's h-i-r-e-u-p.com.au. Thanks, HireUp. In this episode, we're going to hear a lot about these. Independent assessment. Independent assessment. Independent assessment. You'll hear some strong views along the way. Nobody is putting me in a box and giving me a score. I've test driven this. This is shit. I'd do better. For a lot of people, it can be really traumatising. You're going to hear from people who've had an independent assessment and been happy with the experience but also from those who have been left upset by the process. You'll hear from the new minister for the NDIS about why the government is committed to introducing independent assessments and why independent assessments are just the beginning of her planned reform. From everything that I've seen, independent assessments won't put uh, the NDIS on a sustainable footing alone. There's a lot of things that need to be discussed. We'll hear from journalists whose stories have kept independent assessments at the top of the news. I started getting lots of leaks from actual serving and and former disability insurance agency staff. And from two of the architects of the NDIS whose views on independent assessments are at odds. So you always saw that independent assessments would be the only way to enter into the NDIS? That's always been the intention. One of the major deficiencies with robo-planning is it says, hear your functional impairments and now fit your goals within that funding envelope. I'm Kurt Fernley. Welcome to Episode 5 of A Nation Changed. Independent assessments are the controversy in the disability sector. Some describe them as essential to creating fairness and reining in costs of the NDIS. But for others, they represent the end of choice and control within the scheme. So understanding what they are and also what they could mean for you, it matters. Currently, if you need an NDIS package, a professional like a doctor, someone who knows you and your disability, will work with you to fill out a 28-page access request form and write letters or reports that explain why you need assistance from the NDIS. All this is then submitted to the NDIS who come up with the plan they think is fair. But under independent assessments, an outsider appointed by the NDIS looks at your needs. Here's how a promo video for the NDIS describes them. They will use internationally recognised standardised assessment tools to make sure assessments are fair and consistent for everyone. But it's these standardised assessment tools that has the disability community worried. This process involves assessors putting people's details into a computer and having it allocate funding according to an algorithm. Some call that robo-planning. But the government says... Independent assessments will mean people who can't easily navigate the current system will have better access to the NDIS 
When did we start hearing about independent assessments becoming part of the scheme? To answer this question, we need to go back to episode four. I spoke with NDIA boss Martin Hoffman at the end of last year, and he said that independent assessments were going to make getting onto the scheme more straightforward. We want to use those to make it clearer and simpler and quicker and then allow participants to make their own decisions about how best to use their plan budget in order to assist them pursue their, pursue their goals and aspirations. But since my interview with Mr Hoffman late last year, the issue of independent assessments has blown up. We've seen a sustained campaign of confidential NDIA documents leaked to the media. A parliamentary inquiry into the issue of independent assessments and Senate estimates have grilled Mr Hoffman about this issue. Not to mention protests at NDIA headquarters in Canberra. No NDIA assessments. No medical model. No NDIA assessments. No medical model. Independent assessments aren't officially part of the NDIS yet and scheme participants have been asked to take part in two separate independent assessment pilots. So what's the independent assessment process really like? Rachel Souden lives in regional New South Wales with her family. She spoke to the show's producer, Sarah Shands, about her experience participating in the independent assessment pilot. Hello. Hello. All right, I'll um, just grab my question. Now, Rachel, um, what's your experience been with the independent assessment? Well, my experience was I was terrified about them to start with and I wasn't sure that they whether they'd be any good or not. But I sit on the New South Wales Disability Council and also the New South Wales Carers Council. So I thought it was like kind of my, not my duty, but uh, I thought it was important to participate and see what they were like. Got an offer of, to do one with our daughter who is 20. There were lots of different questions asked around what Sarah Kate does. So we sort of talked about what her days look like. And is the question as straightforward as, so can you tell me what your day is like? It can be. And like the assessor in trying to make Sarah feel more comfortable, like got her, her to show him her dog and some of her artwork. Um, and it was, you know, what can you do on a good day and what can you do on a, on, on a not so good day? And on those days, what? You know, can you still get up or are those the days that you need your dog to come and give you a cuddle? And it wasn't talking down to her and, and it wasn't too invasive. And my daughter is Aboriginal, so I was, you know, doubly concerned that it might not be culturally appropriate. Um, the person who did it, he spent five hours on telehealth with us uh, and he was great. It was culturally appropriate for her and he was very respectful of her um, while he was doing the assessment. And the assessment came back as an accurate reflection of where she is, which, you know, while, while distressing, that's exactly the reason why she's on the NDIS, because she has, she has significant needs. While Rachel may have had a positive experience, there are some people who have also taken part in the pilot who have been left traumatised. George Teleporis is a disability advocate and he took part in an independent assessment pilot. I found it very 
confronting and very intense. And I found some of the questions quite difficult to answer. I was asked to talk about, to, to, to say how my life would be without support. And, and I, I just felt to be asked that question over and over with all different aspects of my life, it was incredibly exhausting and, and quite painful, really, to be put through. George's experience is far from unique. Nicole Rogerson is the CEO of Autism Awareness Australia. Her son, Jack, has autism and an intellectual disability. What really bothered me, and I think it's important for me to, to clarify that Jack has autism and an intellectual disability, so our experience might be very different to somebody with a different type of disability. But in Jack's case, he's 25, he has a disability, but he doesn't understand his disability in the context of how it makes his life terribly different from anyone else's. And we don't spend a lot of time talking to him about, you know, the scaffolding that goes on around his life to make his life be as independent as it is. You know, it's just not our role to make him feel bad about his disability. And so, so to all of a sudden for the questions to start bang on on and totally focused on things he can't do, what offended me was not necessarily the questions, I know what they're trying to get to the bottom of, but it was they were all negatives, they were all about his disability, never once asked him what he was good at. And then proceeded to ask him questions that were very simple and he could answer but only partially truthfully. And I, I don't mean that he'd tell a lie. It's just he doesn't necessarily know the answer. So one of the questions was, do you manage your own finances? Can you take care of um, your financial life and planning? And he answered, sure, no problem. Yep, I do all of that. So I'm sitting there thinking, no, he doesn't. Um, he knows how to use a key card, like he can tap, he can go and buy things. Um, we're increasingly trying to teach him how to look on the app to see his balance, etc. but that's the limit of it. So it was a series of those types of questions. You know, do you need help at work? Does your disability help affect how you work? And he answered, oh, I'm really good at my job. And it was almost like, well, does that mean he'll get rated down on that? And do I have to interject to say, oh, no, that's right, Jack, remember, they only give you a few hours a week because you're the disability person. You know, like, really. The thing about the NDIS is that even the smallest changes can have a big impact on people's lives. So with something big, like independent assessments, the potential impact is massive. You've met Jo Berry in previous episodes. She's feeling concerned about her future. There we go. Billy is actually well behaved. Right. He's, he's got that out of the way, how excited he was to see everyone. I know. And now he's yeah. ready to sit down and have a yarn. Yeah. Joe, can you tell me about your feelings behind the independent assessments? I think, like, the really cool feeling you get is just anxiety. I have a social life and I have access to therapies and things that keep my body in good form. Oh, and equipment as well. And to be honest, the fear of losing those things means losing parts of my life, A, the way they are, and B, with as much independence as I can have. As more stories surfaced about real problems with the independent assessment pilot, the grassroots community campaign 
aimed squarely at getting the government to scrap them, spread rapidly across the country. But the NDIA is reporting that the scheme is on track to cost more than $40 billion a year within three years. This is a $10 billion blowout on recent federal budget projections. So can we afford to do nothing? One person who can shed some light on the need for independent assessments is John Walsh. You may remember him from episode one. He's an actuary and also known as an architect of the scheme. Hey, how you doing? Yeah, I'll go straight to the straight to the, first, the, the of what I think is the most important question around the NDIS, and that's: Is the NDIS broken? Um, not permanently. I think it. Well, let, let me answer it in a different way, Kurt. The NDIS, as proposed by the Productivity Commission, has never been implemented, so it's not broken because it's never been there. Um, what we have now is an opportunity to go back to square one and build it properly. The trouble is. What's been done to date makes it much more difficult to start from, you know, like that old joke, if I was going to Dublin, I wouldn't start here. So to implement the NDIS as we originally intended um, needs, needs a lot of serious rethinking and reinvestment. So where does where do independent assessments fit in that? They're part of it because the three technical building blocks of the NDIS are independent assessments, reasonable and necessary packages at a package level, and full flexibility for people to use that package in the way that most suits their personal support needs. But as well as those three technical building blocks, there's also a whole ecosystem of community empowerment, capacity building, sector development that hasn't been done. And never was done. Never was done. So tell me about your version of independent assessments. So independent assessments are a way of ensuring that the right people have access into individual packages of support. People who really need it get access to individual packages of support. And the level of support they get, the level of package they get, is appropriate to their support needs. And unless you do that in a way that's independent of advocacy or personal biases, it becomes unfair and it becomes unstable. So you always saw that independent assessments would be the only way to enter into the NDIS? That, that's always been the intention. The NDIS we have today is not the NDIS John Walsh and the Productivity Commission envisaged all those years ago. And if it was always the intention to have independent assessments, why are they only being introduced now? Bruce Bonahady was the first chairman of the NDIA and helped create the NDIS we have today. He's now the chair and director of the Melbourne Disability Institute and recently presented his submission about independent assessment to the Federal Parliament's Joint Standing Committee on the National Disability Insurance Scheme. Wipe the mouthful. Sorry, I'll just turn my video on because I just yeah, realised right. it's on. It's off, so you can now see me. Yeah, there we go. Ah, oh, technology, right? <laughs> Yeah, I know, I know. It's just, um, it's there to frustrate us, I think. There you go. Let's kick things off with what are independent assessments? 
So independent assessments are a process that the National Disability Insurance Agency or NDIA has designed. It's an automated process to drive and determine who was going to be eligible for the NDIS and what sort of funding they're going to receive. Uh, it should actually be described as robo-planning. Bruce Bonahady is concerned that the government is looking for a simple solution to a complex problem. And as he sees it, that simple solution just doesn't exist. In other words, independent assessments generate plans based on a computer algorithm. And this can never take into account the complexity of a person's life. The process starts with people's functional impairments. So it's a, it's a deficit-based approach. The current approach to planning starts with people's goals because we always said that the NDIS needs to provide equal opportunity for people with disability. We need to recognise their goals, recognise that their goals change uh, over their lifetime and the plans then need to reflect the goals and provide sufficient funding to meet those goals. One of the major deficiencies with robo-planning is it says hear your functional impairments and now fit your goals within that funding envelope. And so instead of recognising the breadth of diversity within the disability community, not just in terms of functional impairments, but in terms of people's family circumstances, in terms of their environment, in terms of whether they're living in metropolitan Australia or the most remote corners of Australia, and in terms of their goals, all of that now needs to be squeezed into whatever funding envelope is derived out of this automated process. While negative experience of the pilot have fueled a community campaign to put a stop to independent assessments, there have also been several highly confidential NDIA documents leaked to journalists. One of the more controversial documents journalists got their hands on was an early version of the Tudin Review. Now, this review was an independent look at the NDIS Act. And politicians often point to the Tune Review's recommendations of independent assessments as one of the justifications for them. But were they in the earliest drafts? We need to speak to Mr Tune. I've tried to get David Tune on this podcast to get his take on independent assessment, to find out once and for all if they are actually among his initial recommendations or whether he faced pressure to include them. But his only response has been via SMS to the show's producer. Sorry, but I do not do media at all. David, if you change your mind, you've got my number. I'm responsible for that long list of missed phone calls. What has the impact been of those leaked documents? The Saturday Paper's senior reporter, Rick Morton. Between myself, Rob Harris at The Age, and Luke Enrique Gomez at The Guardian, we had the leaked legislation. Um, we had the FOI document of the, the original David Tune review of the NDIS, which um, included track changes from um, both the Department of Social Services and the National Disability Insurance Agency, kind of putting in what they wanted about independent assessments. Uh, and then I started getting lots of leaks from actual serving and, and former disability insurance agency staff. Now, those leaks were memos from the chief executive officer. They were um, pieces of intel about work that McKinsey and Co. had done in terms of 
the scheme workforce of the future. Um, this was little bits of information indicating that they could get rid of 1,200 planners because of these reforms, uh, you know, that they could get planned build times down from about 8 hours and 45 minutes to about 45 minutes, all through this kind of process of automation. For the first time, these leaked documents confirmed the concerns of the disability community that independent assessments will be used for cost-cutting and automating the planning process. So the biggest leak Rick Morton got? The biggest one I think I got, leak-wise, was the existence of the new Sustainability Action Task Force. And I got some memos that come alongside that from the CEO, Martin Hoffman, um, essentially saying that they're embarking on a six-month program of work to try and curtail spending in the scheme. And it's spending not just in terms of access, they want to slow access to the scheme, so limiting the number of people who can get in, but also limiting um, the value of plans, which is one of their big bugbears, certainly from the government point of view, which is that they think plans are growing in value too fast year on year. Um, So this was the first real sign that all of these things were targeted toward cost-cutting. In mid-March, there are confidential documents landing in journalists' inboxes. The grassroots campaign against independent assessments is growing. And at the same time, the Prime Minister is facing issues of his own. The Prime Minister's cabinet reshuffle is aimed squarely at fixing his women problem. Christian Porter and Linda Reynolds have been shunted from their jobs as Attorney General and Defence Minister but stay in Cabinet. Linda Reynolds has taken over as Minister for the NDIS and was met on day one with some serious pressure from the disability community, which prompted her to pause the rollout of independent assessments. It was a move that surprised many and raised more questions about what the future looks like for the scheme. So it's off to Canberra to find out what the new minister has planned. Right, so I'm off to uh, Parliament House. There's the day. I have no idea. Minister, how you doing? Lovely to meet you. Thanks for finding the time. Oh, you're most welcome. I was delighted to to do it and welcome you to Canberra. Uh, Am I following? Do you mind if I take a few minutes just to set up? Should we take a Please, no, come on in. There's plenty of time. One of the biggest concerns is that independent assessments will be used for austerity. And there are stories about um, uh, prominent Australians with disabilities going into an independent assessment trial and losing 80% of their funding, which has a huge impact on outcomes, life, employment. What is your position now on independent assessments? So my, my belief is at the moment is with the current level of concern about them that there isn't a pathway through the Senate at the moment. But... The reason I've put a pause on this legislative process is so that I can do what I'm doing is I'm consulting with groups all you know around the nation to hear from them. The larger peak bodies came mm. back and said that independent assessments, compulsory mm. independent assessments weren't going to, to work. Mm. Well, independent assessments have, independent functional assessments have always uh, been, you know, they're in the legislation and they've always been intended to be introduced And I think that an independent functional assessment is really important. So what I've said is that we will be proceeding with some form of independent functional assessment, but what form they take, you know, there there are concerns and a lot of the concerns have been raised with me, I think, are quite reasonable. 
uh, and do need to be addressed. But I'd point out, Kurt, that that's the purpose of a trial, is to, so any of the trial outcomes aren't being used in someone's plan. They are just that, they're trial outcomes. From everything that I've seen, independent assessments won't put uh, the NDIS on a sustainable footing alone. There's a lot of things that need to be discussed, considered. In your initial assessment, is the NDIS broken? I don't think the NDIS is broken, but what I think is that we do need to have a look at where we've come uh, and having a look at where we want the NDIS to go as an insurance scheme. We're approaching now 450,000 Australians, to give you an idea of the scope, and we could, in the next couple of years, you know, we're likely to go up to between 530 and 550,000, which is well beyond what we'd initially thought. So there are cost pressures, obviously, uh, for the fund. Have you spoken to David Tune since you've come into office? I have not yet, but that is absolutely... <laughs> He's a hard absolutely. man to get a hold of. <laughs> Back to the independent assessments, There's uh, there, there has been a push to make independent assessments potentially from advocacy groups or mm. people with disability organisations to make them an option. Is that on the table? From my perspective at the moment, I, if they're not compulsory, I can't see how we can really have a fair system. So much of the feedback that I've had so far is that people are not seeing that the fair is consistent or fair. So I'll give you some examples and the next quarterly report will be out in a couple of weeks, I think, from the uh, NDIS. And that clearly shows, very, very clearly shows that your postcode matters. So take my own state, if you're a participant from Halls Creek in the Kimberley and you're someone with, uh, you know, a similar disability in Perth, um, your postcode matters in terms of your package. Part of me wants to go, well, that kid in the Kimberley, I want to bring him up or her up. I want to give him or her access to the same level of advocacy yes. as, as somebody in the city, but the fear is that independent assessments will be to take. Actually, that's a really, really, really good point. And it's something that I've heard a lot already from a range of people in, expressed in different ways. But that sense of fear is really quite profound. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some people have said to me, and including in Sydney, that that's one of the reasons that they think is driving people's assessments of, you know, lower functionality uh, is fear of losing losing out, losing out on the package, losing out of funds. In my mind, my job as a custodian of this scheme at this point is to get it at the next stage of endurance so that children, you know, generations of children who are not yet born still have a scheme there that meets their needs. So there we have it. The government is pushing forward with making independent assessments part of the future of our NDIS. In fact, the Minister says independent assessments alone won't be enough to make the scheme more sustainable. While our community is largely against the introduction of independent assessments, there remains the question, how do we make the scheme fair for all? Bruce Bonahady again. So instead of looking for simplistic solutions to complex problems, which is what robo-planning is, and in the process risking the vision of the NDIS, it needs to embrace the complexity. And in May, this point was reiterated to the Australian Parliament's Joint Standing Committee looking at independent assessments by disability activist Doogie Heard. Nobody is putting me in a box and giving me a score 
the minister needs to rethink it. But I can assure you, I am not having, as an individual, some recently graduated speech therapist from a university somewhere come into my life 37 years after I broke my neck and ask me, ask me if I could make a cup of tea and then give me a score on the basis of my answer, which can be either yes or no, when in fact the answer is much more complex than that. The one thing I think that we all want to see is that the NDIS is here for future generations. We fought so hard to get this scheme off the ground and it has made a real difference in hundreds of thousands of people's lives. So if the government is committed to the introduction of independent assessments, is there a way for people with disabilities to have a genuine say in what they look like? Disability advocate George Teleporos thinks co-design is essential to this process. People that want independent assessments can access them, but it also means that the whole assessment process is co-designed with people with disabilities and with people who have expertise in understanding how to appropriately recognise what people need in that plan. There are all kinds of things that your that your process needs to take into account. And some of that is about how that person wants to live their life. And none of that really is being measured in that kind of assessment process. One of the main reasons the NDIS is so successful is that it was co-designed with people who have disabilities. It meant that for the first time, we got a system that worked. Really, truly worked. Doogie heard again. And the, the really, really, really disappointing thing about all of this is there is a model for co-design that could have been, should have been, and must be used to make the National Disability Insurance Scheme work for everybody into the future. There is nothing more personal going on in the National Disability Insurance Scheme than what is happening at the moment. And if one has lived one's life for 37 years in a wheelchair and you find that you are being pushed back to the future, it is taken personally because it is. Because when the minister moves on and the chief executive moves on, forgive me for putting it in this very clear but straightforward way, I will still need someone to come through my shower room door and conduct a complex bill management support because I don't get away from my quadriplegia. Never have, never will, but I still need support through the door and multiply that story 432,000 times across the scheme. Independent assessments are stuck in a hurricane, a storm of controversy because we don't know what they'll mean for our lives. And as I mentioned to the minister, I've got friends who've had their plans cut by up to 80% under the independent assessment pilot. It's these experiences 
that have left our community really worried about what their life will look like under an independent assessment. Doogie Heard is spot on when he says that people with disability won't be put in a box. We shouldn't be asked to either. I've been in those boxes and we cannot go back there again. We've fought for too long to get the NDIS we have today. And while the scheme is potentially growing quicker than anyone predicted, going back to a system similar to what we had in the past, it's not the answer. So what is the answer? How do we ensure that the NDIS is here for generations to come? Right now, I don't know. But I will keep looking. A Nation Change is hosted by me, Kurt Fernley. Our executive producer is Sarah Shands. Have you listened to the previous episodes yet? You should. And you can find them wherever you get your podcasts. Just search A Nation Change. Or you can find them at higherup.com.au forward slash a nation changed. There are transcripts too at that same address.